Genesis 8. Let's stand, please. I know some of you have been seated, didn't sing in the choir. Uh, this is, uh, of course, uh, Scripture uh, relating to the flood of Noah. And, of course, the floods come now. The waters are beginning to recede uh, from off the earth. And uh, let's begin reading in verse uh, number 6 of Genesis 8. And it came to pass at the end of forty days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. And he sent forth a raven which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. Also he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand, and tucked her, and pulled her in unto him into the ark. And he stayed yet other seven days, and again he sent forth uh, the dove out of the ark. And the dove came into him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. And he stayed yet other seven days, and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him any more. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as I bow before you, I thank you for the Word of God. Lord, for this the privilege to read your Word and preach the Word of God. What an honor it is and what a great responsibility. Oh, Lord, how we need you tonight. And I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would rest upon me, O oh God, and help me to have wisdom and uh, strength and the power to bring glory to you. Help me to represent you honestly tonight. Lord, I'd rather not say anything than say anything that would bring dishonor to you or would misrepresent you in any way. Help us, Lord, to have wisdom and to understand the truth that you have for us. Bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. I want to talk to you tonight about birds. Uh, not uh, Charlie birds, <laughs> but uh, different kind of birds here. Uh, there are about 360 to 400 kinds of birds in Palestine, it's said. And of these, 26 are found only there. And I thought that was interesting. 26 are, uh, only found in that part of the world. The Bible mentions about 50, and they're mentioned in all but 21 books of the Bible out of 66. So the Bible does have, uh, you know, something to say about birds, and, and if the Bible speaks about it, then we ought to speak about it. Uh, birds are interesting. There are bird watchers. Uh, I, my wife kept after me for some time until I built a bluebird house, and, uh, but we haven't had a lot of success. Uh, I think the, the first year, I was trying to remember what happened that first year. I think they... Uh, they examined it, and uh, I think they, they, they built a, a, a nest in it and laid some eggs, but they never hatched. I believe that's what happened the first year. Well, last year they came, they, they built uh, a nest in there, and the birds, the little birds hatched out and, and got uh, almost ready to leave, and they all died. And, and so uh, I'm not uh, very good at birds, evidently. I, I'm not very successful. And, but birds are in, especially the bluebirds. I, I really love the bluebirds. They're beautiful, I think, and especially the male. The female's ugly, <laughs> and the male's beautiful. Uh, that's not always hold true in, in every species. <laughs> it's true in bluebirds, so uh, many times not true in humans, sadly to say. But, uh, 
but birds are interesting. And there are people that watch birds, and, and uh, it's an interesting thing to do. I know I visit the rest homes, and many of the rest homes have, have bird feeders outside of the windows, and, and the residents there gets joy in watching the birds come and eat the feed and, and, and all that. And, and so my wife's been trying to get me to get a bird feeder. I says, I don't need any more birds to eat my garden. But uh, uh, someone told me, said, if you'd feed the birds, if you'd, they won't eat your garden. So uh, maybe so. But birds are interesting. And, uh, you know, some uh, fly from, from uh, the northern hemisphere to the southern, and, and they say some of those birds fly nonstop. And I, that amazes me uh, how that could happen. Uh, there are some birds, and of course they'll, they'll go to the same place too. Think of that. What kind of radar they have? What kind of maps do they have to go by? And, and I read where there's birds near the Arctic Circle that, uh, that they'll have their, have their babies and then leave them, and the babies fly and join the adults. You tell me there's no God? I'll tell you, there's a God in control of everything. You say God's not, God don't have time for those birds. Oh, yes. Not a sparrow falls to the ground that he don't know about it. And the Lord's, the Lord's involved in all that. He's, he's big enough to do that. And I, I'm, I'm amazed when I think of the greatness of God, that God can, uh, he numbers the hairs of our head. You think of all the people in the world. And if you took all the people in the world and asked God how many hair was in each head, he could tell you. God's great, isn't he? <laughs> if, you told, if you asked him where every bird on the face of the earth is, he could tell you exactly where it's at. We have a great God. We can trust him with our eternity. And so birds are, are uh, very interesting. I'd like for us to look at just a few tonight. The first one is the chicken. And uh, I like chicken. I told someone I'd put a lot of chickens in the ministry. Uh, I, I remember several years ago I preached a revival at this church, and, and every evening we, every, we went out to, for the evening meal uh, with one of the families of the church, and we had chicken every night. <laughs> Except the last night, and we went to the steakhouse. I like it, but I don't like it that good. Uh, but uh, chicken... In uh, Matthew 23, uh, 37, the Lord used the chicken there in talking about Jerusalem, and he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens in her wings, and you would not. Now, you that grew up on a farm, I did, and when I grew up, we had chickens running around. I mean, almost everybody had chickens running around the yard. And, and uh, in the springtime, they would, uh, you know, they'd lay eggs and, and they'd set. You know what setting chickens are, don't you? And, and they'd have the little dibbies, the little, uh, the little, little baby chickens, and they'd hatch out. And, and if that mother hen sensed any kind of trouble, she'd spread her wings. It always amazed me how many of those little chickens could get on that hen. Where are they going? You know, the hens is so big. But I tell you, those little dibby chickens, you know, they could, uh, they could get right on that mother hen. And the Lord used that as an example. 
The Lord said, how, how often Jerusalem, he wept over the city, Luke says, I would have gathered you together as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, and you would not. That's the reason I cannot believe in uh, uh, Calvinism. Uh, because uh, uh, people say, you know, uh, you know the, the predestination, I believe in predestination, but not in the way, the way that some people believe it. That certain ones are predestined to heaven, certain ones are predestined to hell, and you have no choice in the matter. It says here, the Lord said, I would, but you would not. I would have, but you wouldn't let me. Here we had a, when I was pastor maiden, we had a family in the church, and, and this lady, her parents were, uh, were involved, I, I, reform, some kind of reform type uh, church, and, and were strong anyway on that doctrine. And, and uh, uh, she asked if, if, if I would talk to them. So, so uh, they came over to the, to the house, and, and uh, we had some refreshments, and, and uh, we began to talk about the salvation and, and some of the things. And he brought up this, and, and I gave scripture in Timothy. He said he'd have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Second Peter 3 said he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. His response was, all the elect. <laughs> he'd have all men. He didn't say all the elect, all men to be saved. Jesus said, I would but you would not. Uh, you remember Bruce Ring, missionary Bruce Ring? Some of you remember, we supported him. Great missionary. And uh, he's not a missionary anymore, sad to say. But uh, uh, I remember, you know, when he came, first time he came here and preached, he said, I'm going to preach a message that you'll probably never forget. And I have not forgotten it. His message he preached on the chicken. <laughs> and uh, it was quite an interesting message about the chicken. And, but I believe the chicken involves commitment, and I think that's the message first. That mother hen has that, in, if you want to call it instinct or whatever, but to care for those little, chill, those little chickens and is totally committed. I mean, she risks her own life to care for those little ones. Those little ones gathering, she is committed. You know, that's what we need today. We need commitment. You know, just like the rooster crowing. The rooster crows in the morning. And people used to get up with the rooster crowing. And sometimes roosters lied. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but the rooster was the clock in days gone by. And so things in life involve commitment. Marriage involves commitment. A lot of people entered into marriage without realizing the price of commitment. Many marry for the wrong reasons and they wonder why they have so many problems. Children involve commitment. A job involves commitment. Serving God, all these things involve commitment. And we need to be committed to the Lord more than any. We ought to love the Lord more than we love life itself because He is our life. And I believe the chicken reminds us of that. You know, uh, Peter there was reminded, talked about Peter and of his lack of commitment, the rooster crowed. And uh, someone said that, uh, that uh, after that, Peter could never eat any more chicken. I don't know about that, but, uh, but I'll tell you, he, uh, he was reminded of his commitment and his lack of commitment, his need there. So the chicken is an interesting bird, is, is in that family. 
Then we read in Matthew, uh, Matthew 10, uh, we'd like to look at, uh, at the sparrow. At the sparrow. And there's a verse in, in Psalm I want to read first, though, in Psalm uh, 84, if I can find it here, Psalm 84 and verse 3. Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even my lovers, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. And so even the sparrows found a nest in the house of the Lord there. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, in Matthew 10 then, in verse 29 through 31, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. You know, sparrows were not very important in that day and are not today. You know, I, I was, uh, there's a family I visit, and they, they have had great success in, in bluebirds. And, but the sparrows, they say, were a problem. <laughs> I mean, they, they just want to take over, and, and uh, uh, they, they are, they're pretty plentiful. Uh, but here, he talks about two sparrows. In Luke, I believe it's Luke, he talks about five sparrows were sold for, for two farthings. So if you bought two sparrows for a farthing, and if you bought four, they'd throw in an extra one. They were not very uh, valuable, but they're valuable to God, you know. And, and here the sparrow uh, speaks of confidence and contentment, uh, of trust uh, in the God who made them. And they're all for a purpose, you know. They eat a lot of bugs, and, and they're, uh, they're important. I've seen some figures on that about, about how many bugs there are in the world, and it's, it's unreal. I, I just don't like bugs. Uh, mosquitoes, I mean, if there's a mosquito in the county, it'll find me, I think. They, they just like my blood or something. I just don't like mosquitoes. I just don't like, I don't know what purpose mosquitoes serve, except uh, a, a curse, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but uh, the birds help take care, and the bats, and, and all that is important. But the sparrow shows, we have the sparrow. He says, not one of them will fall on the ground without your father. That the Lord, they, 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 it speaks of our confidence and applying to you and I and our relationship to the Lord. We can have complete confidence and trust in the Lord. He says, you're more valuable than many sparrows. And, uh, you know, I think we can get carried off, and, and I, I like animals, and, and especially deer. I just really like deer. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, there's people, they, they, they get off track, and, and uh, you know, they, they think you should never kill an animal or, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't do anything like that. That's, that's bad, and, and never cut a tree down. I, uh, you know, I remember a lady one time, I, I, I cut some trees down for, uh, you know, for firewood. And she said, were the trees alive? I said, yes. I, yeah, there's green when I cut them. Oh, that, that's bad. Yeah, you know, don't, don't cut anything alive. 
Just go through and cut the dead trees. Don't cut live trees. Uh, what a terrible thing that was. Well, you know, God put all this here for man's benefit. Brother Good was talking about cutting a tree up there. I guess that tree is alive, wasn't it? <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, they worship the creature rather than the creator, and they worship nature, and, and they, they put more value on, on these things that are put here to serve man and to benefit man. The Lord says, you're more value than many sparrows. People are important. You know, it's amazing the, uh, how that a nation can kill babies, and yet, uh, you know, they, they think it'd be a terrible thing to, to kill an animal, but they don't think it's too bad to kill a baby. We're really messed up, aren't we, in this country? So we can have confidence in God's care uh, for you and I. Then I want to go back to Genesis where I read tonight. And uh, we look at the, the dove. And uh, you know doves are, uh, they have a, an unusual call. It's kind of a sad note, seem like, the call of the dove. And, and uh, uh, they're, they're interesting. And uh, here they were on the ark. These doves. I've never been dove hunting. Some people hunt doves. I, I never did hunt doves. They're so little. I don't know what you'd do with them. They, some people eat them. Sandy's boyfriend. They went dove hunting, and and uh, uh, what'd she say? They taste like liver, chicken liver, or something. I think. Of course, I like chicken liver. I might like them. But uh, uh, anyway, the doves here were on the ark. And uh, here we have in verse 8 through 12, we have Noah sending the dove out. Uh, and the dove comes back because it's still covered with water. And he waits seven days and he sends the dove out again. And the dove comes back with an olive leaf. And he sends her out the third time and she doesn't come back because the dove finds what she needs out there. And I believe the dove speaks of compassion. In the Song of Solomon, you have the dove used several times to express the love between Solomon and the Shulamite woman there, illustrating Christ's love for the church. And you have that phrase, my love, my dove. And it's, it's a compassionate, I think the dove speaks of, of compassion. Also, we have a reference to the Spirit of God in Matthew 3.16 at the baptism of Jesus. The Spirit descends like a dove on Jesus there. And in Matthew 10.16, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. That shows our attitude. Now, he said, I'm going to send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Well, that's not, that's not uh, you know, something to, to cherish, I don't guess. Uh, but it's a true picture. Uh, I send you forth as sheep. You know what wolves do to sheep, don't you? Uh, wolves, uh, sheep is in danger out there in the wolf country. And they've turned wolves loose over in Cage Cove. I, uh, any of you says, I love to go there. It's one of my favorite places. And uh, my wife tolerates it. Uh, but, you know, I just like to go stay a week there. 
take my bow with me. <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, you know, they've, let, they've turned wolves loose over there. And they say that's the natural predator. And I think this ought to let some hunters in there personally, but uh, be that as it may. Uh, but I'm trying to make a point, you know, getting back to the subject, that, uh, that uh, the deer there have a hard time amongst those wolves. A pack of wolves, a little fawn, a little spotted fawn, uh, they don't have much of a chance among those wolves. And the Lord said, I'm sending you out as sheep amongst wolves. Now be wise as serpents, but be harmless as doves. And that's not easy to do, is it? And we want to we take care of that wolf. The Lord said, I want you to have compassion. Have some having compassion making a difference. Want to stand for truth, stand for the Word of God. Want to do it in compassion. Want to love souls and hate sin but well to have a compassionate heart and a loving heart while we do it all. I remember something, and I, sometimes I, I, you know, I wonder if I have the compassion all to have. And uh, I remember a teacher I had, and he said, you know, I used to preach on hell. And he said, I, I preached on it in, in, in such a way I was, it sounded like I was glad people was going there. And he said, God broke my heart. He said, when I preach on hell now, I preach on it with a different attitude. He said, God's not happy people's going to hell. It breaks the heart of God that people are going to hell. And uh, he said, the Lord gave his son to keep people out of such a place. So we ought to have compassion. The dove speaks of compassion. Let me move on. Not only that, we see the eagle. And man, I love the eagle. Uh, my wife got me an eagle down at uh, Trade Lot, one of those spreadest wings out there, one of those, not a real eagle, it's the, uh, you know, whatever's ceramic, whatever it's made out of. But to the eagle, in Isaiah 40, 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Boy, that eagle is amazing. And, uh, the eagle speaks of courage. Ephesians 6, 10 said, Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. That eagle soars to great heights. And the eagle has sharp eyes and can see the prey down there and dive after that prey. And if you study the eagle and how the eagle stirs up the nest, the Bible talks about and raises their young and and uh, kicks that baby after it gets able to fly, kicks that baby out of the, uh, out of the nest. And, and many interesting things about the eagle. You know, uh, the eagle has, uh, builds that nest and has it soft inside for those, when those little eaglets are first hatched. And, but then as the eagle grows and gets able to fly, that, that mother eagle will, will take out that soft stuff, get it out of the nest, and the nest becomes uncomfortable. And all those sticks, and they, 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 the eagle is no longer comfortable in the nest. And, uh, you know, sometimes God has to stir up our nest, don't he? He has to make it uncomfortable for us to get us where we need to be with God. And uh, sometimes he just has to kick us out of the nest. And uh, 
And, but that, that eagle is kicked out of the nest and it's flopping around trying to fly and maybe it begins to fall and they say that eagle is so swift that the eagle can go and fly under that little eagle and catch it on his, those big wings and back. Take it up to higher heights and let it loose again until the eagle is soaring like its parents. Well, speaks of courage and strength and that's what we need in this day, you know. Bible says to be a good soldier, to endure hardness in 2 Timothy 2 as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Anybody that's been in the military, you know, one thing they put you through when you go in is basic training. And you heard about the fellow said, I'm getting tired. Mom and dad trying to tell me what to do. I want to, you know, I'm tired of them running my life, you know. And, and so he went and joined the military. Went and joined the army. And they told him everything. Told him when to go to bed and when to get up and, and when he could eat and told him everything. And, but you know what they're doing? They're preparing a person for hardness, to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You know, I look at Christians today and, and uh, you, know, you know, the Lord, uh, I, I feel sorry for God many times, what he has to put up with, looking at me and, and people like me. Uh, we're not, you know, much soldiers. And I see people, you know, it seems like they're not tough and just any little thing, uh, you know, uh, hurts them and hurts their feelings. And, and we need to be strong and have thick hide, so to speak, and, and be strong in the Lord and have courage like an eagle. Philippians 4.13 said, I can do all things through Christ. The world says I can do all things. Just believe in yourself. Love yourself. Find yourself. Uh, I remember Dr. Rollins, you know, he said he picked up this hippie fellow, where he's a boy or girl. And he began to talk to him, found out he was a college kid, began to carry on a conversation. He said, to, he said, I'm just trying to find myself. He said, well, I can help you with that. Says, you're right here in my car. <laughs> but all this world's philosophy and, and uh, oh, you just need, I can do all, you, you can do anything. You just have to believe in yourself. They say that's a problem. People don't love themselves and don't believe in themselves. Uh, they say that's, that's, that's the problem, you know, if they could just get over that. The Bible didn't say I can do all things. It said I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Yes, you ought to have confidence. I believe in that. And you ought to, uh, you know, believe, believe and have faith. But the faith needs to be placed. Not I can do anything. I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And Jesus said in John 15, without me you can do nothing. 1 Corinthians 16, 9, Paul said, for a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. Paul said, God's opened many doors, but he said these adversaries. And you mark it down, anytime God opens the door for you, the devil's going to be there trying to shut it. He's going to be there waiting on the other side of the door to give you a fit. There's a great door open, he said, but there's many adversaries. There's an enemy. You're going to have to fight. Eagle. God give us courage like the eagle. Let me quickly move to my last point. And back in Genesis 8, and we have the raven. He sent forth a raven. 
which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. Old raven just wanders around out there. Old raven's satisfied eating eat, eat on death and feeding on corruption. And the raven don't come back. You ever seen many crows? Now they say you, you can only kill crows certain days, you know, because uh, somewhere they worship them. I tell you, a person's pretty hard up for a god to worship a crow. <laughs> don't, you, don't you think so? <laughs> They're pretty hard up. I can't imagine. You know, I, it, it, you know it's, it's amazing to me how a person, how, how a person can be deceived. It, it, if you ever thought about it, how people with normal intelligence can be so messed up spiritually and worship all these false gods and all these things and uh, I've witnessed to Hindus and 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 uh, you know learn somewhat about their religion and and how people can worship all these things and God's everything and everything's God and and uh, what a said you know y'all thank God you live in Mary North Carolina and you know the truth I mean you could be in you could be in India and some of these other countries and not know who God is or uh, you know just think you think that. Uh, Maybe the cows, your great-granddaddy come back or whatever. You know, it's a sad world and how the devil is deceived people. But the raven speaks of corruption and feeds on death. Well, we don't need to be like that. Uh, but we find God used ravens. That's interesting. God used ravens to feed Elijah in 1 Kings 17. God can turn a cursing into blessing. And, uh, you know, uh, someone said that the old raven came by and got a juicy steak off Ahab's table. <laughs> I don't know about that. The Bible doesn't tell us that. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. I don't know. But they brought him bread and flesh in the morning, bread and flesh in the evening. God took care of him. And I tell you, didn't didn't get a dead possum off the side of the road either. <laughs> I don't believe that. Uh, I believe, I believe uh, the Lord provided... The, the good things for Elijah there, and God took care of him. And we have in Ezekiel 39.4, Russia talks about giving to the ravenous birds of the northern empire there, which I believe is Russia. And uh, uh, in Luke 11.39, the Lord said unto him, uh, Now do you Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. And he compares them to whited sepulchers, and he says you look good outside. But inside there's death and corruption. God help us to be real and not to be hypocrites and pretenders and uh, satisfied with corruption. And you know when we feed on the world, that's what we're doing. We're feeding on death and corruption. That so would teach us spiritual lesson. I believe God, I believe Romans 1 teaches that the Lord uh, has has uh, created this earth and heavens in such a way that we can learn spiritual truth from all of it. I think we ought to be observant. Lord, what can I learn? Now, we're not, as I mentioned earlier, don't worship animals and, and trees and, and the creation, uh, but well, to, uh, as we observe the creation of God, we ought to say, Lord, what can I learn about you and what you're like from this? What spiritual truth can I learn from this? And I believe we'll be observant that God can teach us things he wants us to know.
Let's bow our heads, please.